You're listening to the Bird Dog Babe Podcast with my mom, Courtney Bastion. This podcast is sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, Boss Shot Shells, and Onyx Hunt. You know, this just goes back to this thing about like her upland and what I love about it is that it's inclusive and it brings people in and it's really there not just to be a flash in the pan and be like, oh, here's this crazy thing you did for the summer. It's to really teach women to be in these spaces and retain them in a way that they can, that that number can grow so that, yeah, mm-hmm. X number of women started hunting this year and then they stayed, right? Yeah. And they stayed and, and they know, taught somebody else or they, they brought somebody else. else out with them because I mean, they felt like they had enough knowledge that they had gained mm-hmm. put to the test. It's that mission of learn, do, teach. I just arrived back from the NAVDA Invitational in New Mexico and want to give big kudos to the Zia chapter for hosting a fantastic week, the NAVDA Invitational Committee for an incredibly organized event in a new location, and all of the volunteers who operated like well-oiled machines keeping things running smoothly. That is some gorgeous country. It was hosted at the New Mexico Girls and Boys Ranch, which is doing amazing things, and I'm so proud to be a part of the NAVDA organization who donated 100% of the proceeds from the raffle and auction items to the ranches. Congratulations to everyone who qualified to get there and to those who were fortunate to go home with a new versatile champion. Tomorrow night, Wednesday, September 21st at 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time, I've invited Patreon patrons of the Bird Dog Babe podcast to join me on my tailgate while I cook up my favorite sharp-tailed grouse recipe. It's an easy one that you can enjoy right after your hunt with a fresh bird in the bag. And I'll be doing a giveaway of my secret ingredient that is a must-have for game bird recipes. And I think it's only available in Montana. So you're going to want to be in and try to get in on this. During that, we will be celebrating fellow patrons Terry and Lisa Ulrich and George Iacomini and their new versatile champions and hear all about their experience at the Invitational. Then I'd like to hear from everyone else on the call. How was your training and testing season? Have you had any early season success? Or do you have any upcoming hunting trips planned? We do these once a month and I love the opportunity to chat with all of you and get to know you personally. So if you're not already on there, go to patreon.com forward slash the bird dog babe. Per usual, I donate $100 to an organization of the presenter's choice. And since it's me that's cooking the grouse tomorrow, I have chosen and have already donated $100 to the New Mexico Boys and Girls Ranch. I'm so grateful for all the work that they put into hosting us there, their mission, and hope we'll be back down there again. Between a week of hunting on the prairie and then a week in New Mexico, I ran out of dog food while on the road. A big perk to feeding Purina Pro Plan is that it's available at so many different locations across the country. PetSmart, Petco, Fleet Farm, Tractor Supply, Menards, Murdoch's, Pet Supplies Plus, you name it. So it wasn't difficult to find one of those during my travels. And while the formula I fed, the Pro Plan Sport 3020, wasn't in stock at PetSmart, they did have several other options available, which had a 26% protein and a 16% fat versus the 30% protein, 20% fat that I usually feed, but not a big deal. 
because a week or so with the lower protein and lower fat won't make a noticeable difference. And what's nice is that with ProPlan, you can switch between any of the formulas and not have to worry about the dog having stomach upset. Yeah, nobody needs that happening during travels. All of their formulas are made with the same high quality ingredients. And once I got back home, I switched right back to the Sport 3020. And again, a flawless transition. Go to Purina.com or just shoot me an email and we can find a formula that's right for your dog. This is my third season shooting Boss Shot Shells. What will never get old is when I give someone new a handful of Boss to try out on their hunt and then hearing them say, Dang, that boss kills. Lead-free, American-made, copper-plated shells delivered directly to your door. Go to BossShotShells.com and get yours ordered today. I don't think there has been a day in the month of September that I haven't utilized Onyx. Using it for scouting ideal hunting land, letting people know where to meet me, checking property boundaries while I'm out there, setting waypoints every time I get into birds, and searching for ideal camp locations. I would literally be lost without Onyx. If for some reason you don't have the number one GPS hunting app already, go to onyxmaps.com and use promo code BDB20 for 20% off. Thanks to my partners, Siren Shotguns. I have been shooting my Siren 20 gauge Tempio Light, AKA Venus, on every hunt so far this season. Once in a while, I'll switch over to the Siren Elos D2, but Venus and I have spent a lot of time preparing for this season the past several months together, and we really are in sync right now. I feel it's a lot like how Angus and I are more in sync this year than ever in the past, going, have, having been going through so much training this summer together. I don't think I have ever put so much into preparing for a hunting season. Shooting lessons for me, utility, training for Angus, and already in early season, it's proven to be a great investment. Check out SirenUSA.com and view all the options of the only full line of shotguns for women. And dang, I like those Dakota 283 kennels. I feel like after these past couple weeks on two tracks and gravel roads, everything in and around my truck is covered in dirt. The Dakota 283 kennels not only keep my dogs safe during travel, but they're lightweight and they have a built-in handle on top of them that I can get in and out of my truck easily. They really needed a good pressure wash, and with that drain hole in the back, I didn't have to tip it over 13 different times to get all the water out. Go to Dakota283.com and use promo code BIRDDOGBABE for 10% off. In today's episode, my good friend and frequent guest of the podcast, Katie Willis, joins me as we discuss my crazy summer, all things building her upland, future plans, and some dang good conversation. All right, let's get after it. But you also know that I do not like to edit, so try to keep the F-bombs to a minimal. Do you want me to go put my stethoscope on? What does that do? It makes me not swear. Really? Because yeah. then, then you think like you're at work. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if that's what it takes, put your stethoscope on. That's like putting sunglasses on and not seeing anybody in the room, feeling like you're invisible. Now you know what it's like to come see me. 
Well, hello. Um, hello, Ms. Bastian. Uh, what brings you into the clinic today? I love that you're not going to swear because you have your stethoscope on. I've been trained. <laughs> <laughs> Has it ever slipped? Yeah. No, it doesn't slip, but sometimes I just say, look, the situation, pardon my language, is really shitty. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no other way to go around it. Like, your lungs are toast. You keep smoking. Like this is just a shitty situation, you yeah. know, um, sometimes. Yeah. At least yeah. you're honest. I am. I'm very honest. It gets me into trouble. Some people like it. Some people don't. Okay. So, okay. Stethoscope on. Are you going to say hello to me? Am I going to say hello to you? How do you want to start this? Yeah. Hey there, Katie Wells. Thanks for joining me for this podcast today after, <laughs> after quite a hiatus. Hi, Courtney Bastian. I've been missing you as have. <laughs> pretty much everybody else in the, uh, podcast, uh, forum here. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, Where have you been? It's been a busy, it's been a busy summer. It's been a really, really busy summer. I've had a lot of stuff going on and I feel like every week I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get this episode edited and published. And then it, and then it, just go turns into another week of something else happening. So episodes are definitely recorded. They're just not edited and published yet. So we're doing this interim to have a little explanation of what's been going on because you've been part of what's been going on. Yeah, <laughs> a, large, yeah. Um, a large part of that. <laughs> well, I feel like we both, um, maybe you're to blame. I could be to blame. I could be to, <laughs> to blame. I did convince you to keep at least one extra puppy. <laughs> I convinced you to keep one extra puppy. Um, and I said that you should keep him only because I promised myself that I was not going to get a puppy this year um, because I was made a hard and firm rule, no new puppies until the Muppets were through their utility training. And what did I do the week before the utility test? I got a puppy, <laughs> but it was only one week prior to your promise to yourself. Prior, like one week prior. Yeah. Like one week yeah. prior. Um, all of the hard work was done, but yeah. So, um, and then as, per but my, then you got two. Yeah. And as for my usual, I was like, Oh, Hey, I just want one puppy, but, um, Kelly, uh, you happen to have an extra puppy. I'll just take that. I'll just borrow that one. It worked out so well last time. <laughs> And then you have, you still have seven puppies, right? You kept a whole litter. Technically, like we're, we decided to keep six. There are currently seven because Malcolm is a very special puppy. He needed to stay here longer, um, but he is still looking for a home. He is um, a very special puppy. And oh. I've turned, I've turned down several because he needs to go to a very special place. That is entirely so, true. I do. Yeah. That. I do agree with that. But the reason for six, let's be fair and explain to everybody why we kept six. Because so, they're perfect. <laughs> they are. And it probably should have actually been seven, but then our very good friends, Andrew and Rachel showed up one day for a training. All right. Then. And they are like, oh, well, we should probably get one of these puppies. I'm like, oh, thank God. Somebody's going to take one of these. Yeah. And so yeah. then they took one. So now we are down to six or else we would have definitely had seven. Yeah. But um, I feel like it's just the, it's just the shotgun approach to 
um, having bird dogs, it's the same way that I shop for clothes, right? Like when I go in shopping for clothes, because I hate it, I clear all of the racks because then I am likely to get a pellet on one thing that really works. And I feel like um, that's the puppy scenario where um, you had some really great litters and you probably only need to keep like one or two, but you're going to get to really evaluate and see a lot of amazing puppies and really get to see how they grow and develop. And it is pretty neat. Like I will say this adventure with the Muppies and having the litter mates um, has been so cool and has added so much to just my understanding and training. Um, like I'm kind of jealous of your seven puppies, six puppies. <laughs> yeah. And we typically, like I'll tell people, yeah, no, never get two puppies of the same age. Never, absolutely yeah. do not ever keep litter mates. But as a breeder, it's something different to consider. And yeah. from experience, when we've, we had a really great litter and, um, and we had two puppies, we ended up letting one go too early because the one that we kept from that litter, her bite went off at six months old. Oh. So then we had zero puppy from a really great litter. Yeah. Um, we ended up buying back into a male from that one, but yeah. So, you know, yeah. stuff like that happens and, um, we didn't have any litters last year Yeah. and, um, the year like moving here. So there was like three years without a litter. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my husband and I, we have two separate lines, hunting lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. dogs that we like to hunt with. And so there were three puppies that I fell in love with and wanted to keep and he had three. So yeah, it just ended up being six, three well, live upstairs with my crew and three live downstairs with his crew. And potentially more importantly, a very amazing young man and a astoundingly wonderful young lady, both fell in love with different puppies, didn't they? That's very true. The children each have a puppy as well. So, so. you really only have one. <laughs> Technically, but my one has been <laughs> stolen and has my husband's, <laughs> yes, hash Look, browns. Hash, yeah, hash browns has been would. stolen knew, by my husband. I, I knew he would. That's why yeah. I picked hash for the record, podcast universe. Yeah. Hash browns was my choice. and And you named him. And I named nobody in a normal mindset would name a puppy hash browns. Um, but Katie Willis does. <laughs> I knew Willie would steal that dog. I knew he would. I knew, but he he's would. a hash browns. Yeah. He's we couldn't even change browns. his name. hundred percent hash browns. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, well, and for the listeners out there who follow along with all of the adventures, hash browns is a three quarter sibling to my gravy. So yes. they're perfect. Hash browns and gravy. I cannot wait to put them <laughs> together. I, I wish that we could, like, it almost makes me want to, like, enter them into some sort of dog, bird dog event where um, they have to work in a brace so that there's some judges someday that have to evaluate hash browns and gravy <laughs> at the same time. We should run them in master against each other just so that they could be in a brace. Uh, and brace number two for the day, we have hash browns 
and gravy. <laughs> It'd be good. I feel perfect. like it would make people laugh. And ultimately the goal in life is to make people laugh and have a good time. It a hundred percent is, it is a hundred percent the important goal. And um, yeah. So you have a lot of puppies. We also yeah. did, um, we, both of us separately and together did a lot of training um, and you ran your first utility. I did. It's a lot of work. It's a lot yeah. of work. Extra work. It is, a, it is a lot of work to get to utility. It is. Yeah. And there was a point this summer, you know, when I was like, oh man, like I, I had them entered in the August test and, you know, you have that in your, in your vision and mm -hmm. in your preparation. And then there was a point where I'm like, you know what? Like, we're just not there. And I know how much more I need to put into it before August. And I don't think I can do it. And I started backing out and then I lost my confidence of, I don't, I don't think I can do this with him. Um, and there was also a point where I had to work on that same weekend. Yeah. I worked, a, I did a lot of travel, um, over the summer and, um, one of the schedules I was given an event was the same weekend as my dog. And I was told I needed to be there. And so I was handing him over to my husband to do and which he didn't want to, um, he, you know, it's, it's a different type of dog and, and Angus and I have quite a bond. Yeah. And you guys have a really, really special bond. I loved training with you guys and I love hunting with you guys even more. Mm -hmm. Like I love, I, I don't know. I mean, I was like, I was thinking the other day, I was like, God, I love hunting over Angus. But then I was like, do I love hunting over Angus or do I love hunting <laughs> over Angus and Courtney? Cause like <laughs> you guys are really special. Like you really are special. He, he is wholly and completely devoted to you on like and I feel like this is the this is yeah. utility training man like how many ladies can you talk to people that you can talk to where it's like yeah I had a good bond with my dog I worked you know like we did a bunch of stuff and then you talk to folks that like push it to that utility level um and it just it's like it's like that trial by fire man like as one what is it as one as metals sharpens metal, so too do, you know, man sharpen man. I think that's, it's actually a Bible verse, I think, but I'm not as versed in the Bible as some people, but it's that idea of like two, two creatures, two souls working together, get kind of not against each other, but alongside each other that really sharpen that edge. And, um, yeah, yeah. It's, what you have is really special and I'm glad yeah. you, I'm glad you stuck with it. Me too. Me too. I've, you know, I've run a lot of dogs in natural ability. I've even done, um, senior AKC hunt tests, but like, yeah, that, I think that de developing a dog to that level, going through that retrieve process, going, mm -hmm. going through the steadiness and man, like the duck search, all of it, like just knowing like that you can rely on your dog and walking into the day of your test being like, my dog's ready. I'm yeah. going to have a two Oh four day because my dog is ready. And if anything yeah. goes wrong, it's just because of me. Yeah. And, um, you know, like that's getting to that level was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. And with him, he's, you know, the breed in general, 
I don't want to say that they're necessarily considered a soft breed. They're just, um, you know, sensitive and you, you yell at them and they're like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Or, yeah. um, so I couldn't even use an e-collar on him in the retrieve process. I learned, I was just going to try a tone and that even a tone shut him down. Mm-hmm. So I had to take the collar off a hundred percent completely. And I couldn't do any e-collar training with him at all. Yeah. So his response to me was based on my reactions to his yeah. action. Yeah. And, um, so I had to be a hundred percent aware of that. And my husband had corrected me several times of, you need to praise him now in a lot. And, yeah. um, because that's what he fed off of. And, and if I didn't, you know, like that next bird was going to be a problem. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't, I don't think, I mean, I haven't been around a lot of Broncos. Um, in fact, I've, I've been around two, <laughs> <laughs> but um, if I was to, to, to take it away from like the breed and what it could mean for a breed, um, what I find very, very interesting about um, my experience with wire hairs versus watching you and Angus is there's a certain amount of selfishness in wire hairs. Mm-hmm. So my training experience is that you have to teach the dog that the better adventure is with you. Like the better adventure, like you can go have your adventure, you crazy wild hair. But if you stick with me and you work with me and you come with me, we're going to have a better adventure. And Angus is selfless. He doesn't have that. Like, and I don't know whether that's a Brocco breed thing or not, but I wouldn't say that he's sensitive or anything like that. I would say Mm -hmm. that he is selfless. Yeah. He just knows that the better adventure is always going to be with me. You don't, you don't have to convince him, right? Like you don't have to convince him. He's not like a wild hair where you're like, go ahead. I'm going to pop 500 pigeons out of traps and you're going to get zero until you decide (laughs) to come hang out with me. (laughs) And he's already like, Hey, best friend. What does best friend want today? (laughs) Yeah. And And I don't know. I could say that, that, that is something I don't have a lot of experience in the breed. He's my third one, but I can say all three of mine, I've never had to work at a recall. You say their name and they are happy to come right back to you. Because like you said, like they know the better adventure is always with their adventure partner. So, um, yeah. So maybe, maybe that's all relative to it, but you're right. The, the wire hairs just have that independent like I can get this done without you. It'd be great if you would would like to join me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like it takes a little convincing and, um, you know, and I think, I mean, I said this earlier and anybody that stands next to me, like, I don't think you can go wrong with a bird dog. And I don't have a lot of time for people who bag on other dogs and different breeds or whatever, because yeah, there are a lot of great bird dogs out there and, um, everybody's got a different thing. And, um, I know that there are people that stand around next to me when I'm training or working my dogs and I'm yelling and being ridiculous, trying to get a hold of them. And they're like, why would anybody in their right mind want that? But it suits me down to just the core. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I love seeing, I've really enjoyed um, like 
I really, well, we're going to talk about it a little bit more later, but I felt that that was one of the really amazing things of the Her Upland Pointing Dog Training Camp was really getting to see not only so many different breeds of dogs, but different dogs and getting to see all of the ways that people connected with their dogs more than just a basic training day because we were there for three days. So you got to see the same dogs over and over again. Um, and it, for a person like me, who is just endlessly curious and, and wants to, you know, like push her own knowledge bank, it's really great to be around other bird dogs, other bird dog breeds, other trainers, other people working their dogs. Cause like you never, I feel like every single conversation that I've had this summer with anyone about training bird dogs, everything I've left with more than I came with. Mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the relationship differences that everybody has with their dog. Yeah. And, and I like that. It's not, we, you and I had talked about this earlier, like, um, you know, I love that Angus just isn't a great rep of the breed, but I love that the people that have hunted with him have, have enjoyed him as just a really nice hunting dog in general. Yeah. And I think that that's something regardless of what your, your breed of choice is, you know, each dog yeah. brings something different to the table. Hell who didn't enjoy Midge working last week in the prairies, oh you know, and I got her for my yeah. little rough grouse dog yeah. and her work yeah. in the prairies was a blast and, and it was, she's just enjoyable. She's just, so yeah. it's, I mean, I think that that's the amazing thing about dogs in general and bird dogs specifically is that when a bird dog comes out to get to work, they put so much, like they are lit from within with um, a joy that is refreshing, astounding and amazing. And uh, I, I guess I feel bad for anybody that is so into their own breed or their own scene that they can't just see a damn good bird dog hit the ground and be like, hot damn, look at that guy go. <laughs> yeah. Like you know? Chloe, Chloe dropping the Gordon setter. Oh Holy cow. Gordon. Oh my God. Right? He is so right. Wonderful. Hyatt is so wonderful. And Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the same, like, yeah. Yeah. They're just, uh, the, for the joy of bird dog, right? Like just the yeah. joy, the absolute joy of bird dog is, um, I'm super grateful that it found its way into my life because not only do I get to enjoy all these bird dogs, but I get to enjoy all these amazing relationships that I've gotten, you know, out of this, this community. What is it about great people that <laughs> are in this bird dog community? You know, I like, don't know. I just got I just got home from the Navda Invitational yesterday and like every single person there. Yeah. Just amazing. Yeah. And I could not have spent, you know, a week with better people. Yeah. I so love it. Tell, tell me about the invitational because I haven't talked to you since like it sounds crazy that like <laughs> I I haven't talked to you in a week, Courtney. I know. You have been so busy. <laughs> You've been so busy. You've been so busy. It is so busy. It is so busy. Yeah. And I'm really sorry. I do, I do get messages from people that are like, 
are you ever going to do another podcast again? I'm like I am. And I, and I feel so bad and, and I just hope people can understand. And I definitely talked to the sponsors because that's a huge commitment for them as well. And, yeah. you know, thankfully um, we've been able to share the, the platform with the her upland stuff. And so yeah. they're happy to, to support that in the same aspect um, with the podcast, but, but yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot going on um, kind of even beneath the scenes that, you know, yeah. just a, a lot of things, but we're um, yeah, that NAVD invitational was great. The, that Zia chapter down there, phenomenal, you know, yeah. they, this group, this chapter put on an entire invitational and for the very first time at a very new location. And like, they just, they did an amazing job. They, they welcomed us like they had done it before. And it was, it was outstanding. And you know, it's hunting in the West. Like, yeah, that we did see a couple rattlesnakes, rattlesnakes throughout the week, but you know what? Like you should, because that's hunting in the West. If anybody's ever come out, to Montana, you know, any of the Western States, that's what happens. Be yeah. prepared. Yeah. Um, and yeah, well, when they, they do it in Montana, they're going to have to buy a bunch of pepper spray for all the damn babies. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> My husband and I were talking about that yesterday. I'm like, we really need to have an invitational in Montana. Yeah. And yeah. he's yeah. And I'm like, you know, maybe we do it more in like the Kalispell area. Um, but yeah, we are going to have to bring bear spray <laughs> and, <laughs> and sometimes we have these dog training camps at this location as well, where we have to put electric fencing around tents yeah, to keep our people safe. <laughs> I did yeah. after everybody signed up for that, I did tell them afterwards, by the way, we, there is potential for grizzly bears, um, in this area but nobody well, I, backed out. Nobody backed out their heart. I think, the, I think the best part of that was that, um, I wasn't getting the emails and like, I didn't get the email about being afraid of bears and like the bear thing. And then I had a couple people like text me and they were like, are you still going with the bear situation? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, like I, I ain't worried about no bears, <laughs> but yeah. Like, and then I got the emails and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, there's our uh, concern. Yeah. Well, some people did know that like, you know, 10 miles from the location, a woman was eaten by a bear in her tent Well, last and, year. And, but, and what was it the last day after everybody left, William Bastion saw a grizzly bear? <laughs> yeah, but it was good. Like, you know what? That's the stuff that happens. It, these, you know, we can get into it of our, her upland camps, like. Yeah. You need, you need a little bit of grit. You need a little bit of grit. Well, and, and, and I think that that's the thing about like, I mean, it was sort of similarly to back when I used to be a river guide and a ski patroller, right? Like, and people come out and, you know, you'd be like, you guys got a paddle. And they'd be like, what do you mean? And I'd be like, honey, this is not Disneyland and the log ride where there's a track that guides us all the way through. Um, and, uh, so yeah, your experience and what happens to us is directly related to like what you do. Yeah. And, um, and I think it is, I mean, like one of the things that really, there's a lot of reasons that I'm, I'm super excited that you invited me to join you in the Her Upland project and adventure, um, 
but one of the big ones is the goal of empowering like it is intimidating to go hunting by yourself it's intimidating to go hunting by yourself and i now 14 years in feel really comfortable comfortable hunting by myself but there were a lot of years early on when i had bird dog where i would want to go and i would not go because i couldn't get someone to go with me i was worried about the roads um i the, the technology wasn't there for me to be able to let people know where i was going to be um you, know, you didn't necessarily know where the cut with cover was ideal. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Didn't know, I didn't know, you know, I just, and so I had to wait a, around for a lot of people and, and, and go with people and, you know, and I've, I've been super fortunate as I've spoken about in the past, like I have been blessed with mentors and I continue to be blessed with mentors and people who are willing to um, to help me along and to show me stuff and to teach me stuff. I mean, um, going just back to the utility training, like I ran the puppies in both the NAVDA utility and the versatile hunting dog federation, um, AHA, and they both did really well. And that is not my accomplishment. Mm -hmm. That is an accomplishment that I would have never touched or, or even come close to achieving without all of the local folks that helped me with just like bird setting and like helping me run the drills that I knew and understood and the weekends and days. I mean, like, what was I up with you and William for nine days? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. With Jeff Funky in Idaho for six or seven days um, mm -hmm. of just really amazing people that you know, and, and all of that, that I got from the, her upland pointing dog training camp Yeah, of just people who have such a vast knowledge bank that were willing to put their arm around me and be like, here you go, Katie, bring your dogs and let's come along. And like, I'm so grateful for that. And like, if there's anything that I can do to take that and like, offer my hand to somebody else that wants to come along because it is intimidating out there and it isn't a Disney ride. And there is a lot of stuff that can come up and be unexpected. And you do need to have a lot of grit and a lot of determination and you've got to be capable and competent and you've got to be willing to get out there and get after it. Um, but you also need someone to help you, you know, like you also always, need, you know, you need that. You need to feel comfortable asking people to help you. Yeah. You need to ask for it, yeah. you know, like yeah. even that's a difficult, can be intimidating, difficult task. Yeah, it can be. And I think that yeah. that thing is like, you know, communication is a two-way street. Like, um, you have to be clear in your communication. You have to be willing to hear what other people have to say. Um, and then you have to be able to make, you know, your own sort of judgment based on that information. Like you have to ask for what you want. Mm -hmm. And then if you, you know, you know, and if someone is not interested in sharing that with you, then you've got to be willing to move on and find somebody else that's willing to, to help you out. And then, you know, I mean, I think it's like, I think I said it to you uh, the other day of just like, it's funny to me that communication is the thing that we do the most, like besides eating, breathing, um, 
and those types of things, like we spend the bulk of our lives, like talking to other people and you would think that we would be better at it, but like, you know, right. like not, not everything that you say hits someone the way that you meant it to. And sometimes you hear stuff and like good communication requires like an openness and an honesty, um, to really be able to get to the heart of the matter. And if you want to have like really rich, beautiful experiences, you have to be willing to be on both sides of the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot of advice with dog training. So you need to be able to filter out what it is yeah. that, um, that you find useful, helpful that you can gain from, but it's also important to not just be on the receiving end, mm-hmm. but also be on the giving end. So, okay, you just helped me and my dog do a duck search. Now I'm going to turn around and go grab some ducks and put them out for your dog. You know, don't, and don't always be looking for help, but be the one offering help. And then maybe they'll turn around and say, Oh, is there something I can help you with now? So, well, I mean, that was my first experience with bird dog training was when I went out with my friend, you know, who became my friend, Melissa, she was a complete stranger to me. And when I went out and asked her for help, I didn't ask her to train my dog. I didn't ask her to work my dog. I didn't even ask if I could bring my dog. I asked if I could clean her pigeon coops. (laughs) Seriously. Like I was just like, look, I'm reading these books online like I'm reading, I'm reading some books. I'm looking at some stuff online. 14 years ago, there was a podacity of information online about bird dog training. Um, and so my original ask of her was, um, if I could just come out and set pigeons and clean coops, like I was like, I don't, I don't even need to bring my dog with me. I just want to see you work. And so I went out with her and she taught me how to fill launchers and showed me how to put the, put the launchers out. Um, and it's one of those things where like one of the big things that is a huge, like, I mean, we talk about where have you been all summer, but if you're training a dog for utility, if you're training a dog for utility, that's all it's like every day off, you're spending at least half a day. Um, every night after work, you're working the table, you're doing the drills in the the alley, even if they're just like, you know, 20, 30 minute drills, the setup and takedown of doing those drills is a lot of work. And um, yeah. And so you do as much as you can by yourself in your yard and in your alley and those sorts of things. And then you go out on the weekend and you're training your dog, you're somebody else is training their dog. And it's just a lot of work and it's incredibly time consuming. And so anytime that someone can jump in and help out and do that hand, it mm-hmm. makes a huge difference. And so I didn't know that but Melissa did. And she was like, heck yeah, girl, you can come out and set pigeons for me. (laughs) But I went out there and I started and, and just setting pigeons and watching her work dogs. And then she would be, she'd be like, okay, well, um, why don't you bring Colt out? Like that. And for those people, Colt is what we used to call bird dog before I started calling him bird dog, but she's back then he was Colt. She's like, just bring him out and we'll just run a single drill. And that's the whole thing is like, I might go out to her place and be there for six hours and I probably only worked my dog for 20 or 30 minutes out of that six hour process. 
but it's that thing of just like, I was there to learn. I was there to be mentored. I learned a lot watching her work those other six dogs and how they took the training and how she had to adjust to them. And so I do think, yeah, like, like if, if you want, you know, like those types of things is like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta put boots on the ground to get that knowledge and to get that time. Yeah. 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 It's all day. I mean, I don't think, I don't think a day went by that I didn't do something, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't have time to get out in the field, it was, it was me realizing my dog doesn't like to be separated from me, you know, just, just leaving him on the Cato board, walking behind a tree and shooting a blank. He like, that was difficult for him. So, you know, so I would bring him in when he came in from outside going potty, I would have him sit at the rug by the door and yeah. I would start walking around the house in small areas away from them. Then I'd go downstairs. I would have the kids make noise. You know, it's, it's all the things of yeah. not realizing that all those little bits in the dog's daily regular mm-hmm. routines can make a big difference. And, and even healing, you know, I turned a dog from when he was let out of his kennel, just running around the house rambunctious and then going outside, I turned it into I open your kennel door. You are healing with me to go outside. When you, you're you sitting before I open yeah. the door, I don't release you to go out the door until you're sitting still. And then same thing when he comes back in. So he's yeah. probably like, oh man, like this new structured life for me is not, not amazing, but like it worked, it paid off. Well, and I think, but I think that that's also the thing too, is like, that's a foible of training, right? Is like, um, how many people train at the same place every single time. Right. And like, you have to go train at other places. Um, and you have to go work other places and other scenarios. I mean, part of my road trip to training was the fact that the only utility test that I could get registered in was in Utah, which if we're going to give shout out to chapters, walk that (laughs) mountain is a heck of a chapter. They put on a really fantastic test. They really do. They have great grounds. They're awesome. I loved being there. Um, but like, I wasn't, I knew I wasn't going to be able to get down and train on their training grounds. So I was like, cool. I can't just work ponds in central Oregon. Like I need to put these dogs in as many different ponds and as many different fields as possible so that they're used to that. And I think that that's like, what is the point of training? Like if the point of training is to get the prize, your poor dog, like, yeah, yeah. To be hunting and you're not going to hunt the same spot <clears throat> time and like building that diversity and like to have a really truly good hunting companion, you want to be able to walk them at a heel into the vet clinic. And, you know, if you're, if you're traveling to hunt, you know, you're going to be stopping at a lot of rest areas. You're going to be stopping. You're going to be staying in hotels. You're going to be staying at other people's houses. And those basic obediences um, are worth their weight in gold, right? Because hundred percent, you know, because it's like, yeah, you want to have like, I hate to use the cliche of it, but like a good canine citizen, you know, <laughs> like a good yes. canine citizen that people are, happy to have 
um, come to their house. And um, yeah, they're happy to throw in the back of their truck and um, because your dog is comfortable, right? Because your dog has been in a lot of different places and a lot of different spaces and they're comfortable hunting and living and being anywhere. And they know that their manners don't just, that they don't, like it's not that their manners aren't situational, right? Does that make sense? It you know? does, absolutely. It's just oh. expected all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So it's been, yeah, it's been a busy summer. We should <laughs> talk, a, should we talk a little bit more about, speaking of training, should we talk a little bit more about the freaking first of uh, her Upland uh, training camp? We should. We should, because that, yes, it was amazing. It was in June. Mm -hmm. um, we had six instructors come in. Yeah. So we had Ruth Weiss, Bridget Nielsen, Tracy Nelson, Kat Pippet, uh, Stacy Horse, and Angie uh, Coonan. Yeah. And it was amazing. We had oh 30... God. How many, how many participants did we have? 30? Like 36. 30. It, was, I, it ended up being more, yeah, because we had the youth spots. We had four youth spots and yeah. then their chaperones too. So chaperones. yeah, it was, it was amazing. That, I mean, that a beautiful location. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful location. Um, amazing grounds. Uh, those six women that showed up to instruct just like, and I think that this goes back to, we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, but like um, the, like six women, all outstanding trainers in their own right. Absolutely. And each one of them had a different way to show you how to skin that cat, <laughs> and, uh, you know? And so it was really, you know, and I think that that's a thing too, where like you look, you know, you need to look critically at these things where you can say, that's not my training method. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's not like to see the value and like, um, it's like the whole idea of like the wheat and the chaff, right? is like, in order to get the wheat, you have to be able to put the kernel in your hands, rub them together and blow what you don't need away and keep, you know, and keep what you, what you find valuable. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I mean, like six different phenomenal women with amazing experience of bird dog training, hunting, judging the whole shebang and each of them had a different way to, to tell you how to work your dog. Um, and like, it's just to be able to come in and say, yeah, that works for me. That doesn't work for me. I'm interested in pursuing this. I'm, you know, I'm going to do something different this way. Um, like, and then the women that showed up to train, I mean, what was our, so we had, there were the, there were the ladies from Minnesota, Michigan, the Michigan. We had Minnesota, Minnesota. Yep. We had the California crew. Yep. That drove out. Um, we had, we had a, some training for the invitational. We had some invitational. We had Oregon, Washington. I mean, we had the West Coast covered, right? Like we, we had Oregon, we had California, Oregon, and Washington. 
Wyoming. We had Wyoming come. We had Tennessee. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, and Alaska. Oh yeah, that's right. Like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> like oh my yeah. God, that's right. I was thinking, I was like, oh yeah, Minnesota was the longest anyone drove. No, there was a lady that yeah, Tracy flew in from Alaska flew with her Alaska. large Monsterlander. Oh my God, what a lovely dog. Uh, aren't they both dog. lovely? Even like, oh, they're so, yeah, they're so lovely. But like, yeah. I can't even imagine like flying. <laughs> a dog and then expecting them to show up and like be anything, <laughs> you know, like it's great. Um, it was so great. And just like, such we a- just needed more time, you know, we needed more time. We needed more time. Yeah. We needed, we needed more time. We needed more time, but like, I have to say Courtney for, um, that was a huge lift on your part. And like, uh, anyone who's ever organized anything, um, to put together all of those people, all of the sponsors, we had great raffles, you had great speakers, um, you know, and really to support that many people in that space, that was a huge lift. Like Mm -hmm. I would have probably, uh, if I'd have done that, I'd have been like, and I'll see you guys in 2023. Like, Like, yeah, but look what happened though. So, I mean, not only did you step up, like you signed up to come as a participant, right? And you stepped up into a role that was unforeseen and you saw that there was a hole, that there's a gap there that needed to be filled and you filled it like a hundred, 110%. And then most valuable mom, Jan Persia. Oh my like, God. What's she doing first day? She's directing traffic. She's telling everybody where to park. Jan Persia is just coming with Katie to just to hang out with oh, some women really? and some bird dogs. And she's like, somebody needs to be directing. I'm not going to, I'm not going to point out yeah. who needs to do it. I'm just going to grab yeah. that role and I'm going to get it done. Yeah. yeah. And it was great. <laughs> I will say, I hope that everybody in the universe has a mom that so wholly supports her children the way that my mom does. Yeah. And if you don't have that, you should come to a her upland event because my mom will be there and she <laughs> will wrap her arms around you Absolutely and love she will. you that level. I mean, mm-hmm. here we are. Uh we've talked about this and it is going to happen. We are going to do a video on how to change your tire because changing a tire is a valuable skill. Everybody needs it. <laughs> and I keep saying how important it is and then we just have way too many things on our plate to do. But here we are at the camp. One of the participants comes up and she's like, "I have a huge chunk of wire in my tire." And my mom and I walk over there and sure enough, she has got this giant chunk of barbed wire it is jammed into her tire. No dice. Um, she does not know how to change her tire. Mm-hmm. So um, my mom was married to my father, who was a mechanic and ran tire stores. And they ran a small service gas station when I was born. My mom was out changing oil and uh, like washing windshields and pumping gas when she was five months pregnant with me. And My dad believed that everyone should know how to change a flat tire. And so the two of us set about changing that flat tire and getting it off. And that was the first step, right? Is like getting the spare off. We got all that done. And then just like my mom in like her most beautiful, 
like wholeheartedly compassionate way, um, looks at the woman who was participating and said, let me take your tire to town. Yeah. Because it's going to take a couple hours to get this sorted out. And I don't want you to miss any of your camp. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I hope that everybody in the world yeah. has someone that, that is willing to love like that. And if you don't, you should come to one of our camps and have the <laughs> MVM, the most valuable mom be that for you. Cause she just is she's um, great. She's so great. She's like great. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, got- that was kind of the, you know, that's kind of the purpose for the camps though, too. Right. It's, it's for everybody to chip in and, and that's why we go through the teaching how to load birds in a launcher, how to yeah. do a winger zinger, um, how yeah. to plant birds, how to wing lock birds, yeah. because, because how many training days have you been to where the same group of five people yeah. are doing all the work Yeah, and, and, and the hundred, like, you know, the 50 some other people are showing up running their dog in the field, packing up and going home. Yeah. So is it the fact that they just don't know how to help and do it? Yeah, possibly. And then they feel, they don't feel comfortable asking, how do I plant a bird? Because it seems like everybody should just know how to do that. And done. Yeah. Right. Or do they really just think like, it's okay to show up and then go home. Um, so that, that could be, but, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt of maybe they just don't know. Don't know. And, and well, so and that's think, what we're teaching. We're making sure that yeah. they all go home having those skills of now you learn this, you're going to go to your next training day and you're going to be volunteering. And I can yeah. tell you that since that camp, I know I can name several women that have showed up at their training days, not even run their own dogs. Yeah. And they were just there helping. Yeah. Well, so, I think, I think that goes back to like, um, for the listeners of the podcast and the thing that we talked about after the women on the wings luncheon at the pheasant fest quail classic is that idea that you can be a leadership leader at every level, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that it's intimidating, you know, I mean, and we could talk ad nauseum about the random, stupid, lame things that people say to women in the outdoors, right? Like, um, that are undercutting and diminishing, um, and that make us feel like, you know, that we don't have a place in there. Um, but like outside of that, I mean, I think that that idea of, you know, you don't have to know it all to be a leader and you don't have to know it all to be a mentor. So, if you learn how to wing lock pigeons or put pigeons in traps, you are now empowered to be a leader in teaching people how to do that one step. And I think a lot of times we wait for like complete proficiency, right? Well, like I'm not going to step in and I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump in on this and I'm not going to do this until like, I really know and understand. And if we wait for proficiency, we're not ever going to do anything because proficiency is a continuum, right? Like when I talk to professional dog trainers, when I work with professional dog trainers, it's not like 
they're like, well, I'm 30 years into this business and I don't have anything left to learn. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I was showing Jeff Funky the clicker and how to work puppies with a clicker. And he was like, I've never seen that before. That's really interesting. So here's the guy that's been raising, training, breeding wire hairs for 30 years. And he is still curious about other things. And so, yeah, you don't have to wait to be 100% proficient. You don't have to wait till you know it all. Like take what you know and become a leader in that space, become a mentor in that space. Um, and then, you know, it's just make sure that you let people know those expectations. Like I went to my first NAVDA test with bird dog when he was nine months old and I received incredibly clear communication from my breeder. Mm-hmm. He said, the test is three days long. You better plan to show up a day early or stay a day later because you need to volunteer. And that was like super clear information, right? Like if you're going to show up at that test and you're going to run your dog, you are expected to be there the day before to set birds or the day after to set birds. And I even, I think I might've even said to him, I was like, I don't even like, what, what would I do? And he's like, don't worry, there will be something for you to do. And so I wonder how many people get that direct information from when like they pick up their puppies. Like all of these breeders have these, you know, we expect you to run your puppy in natural ability. And how many people, how many tests have you been at where people show up and they have signed up their puppy for natural ability because their breeder told them to, and they have not even put their dog on a pigeon. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. So like that really clear expectation of like, if you guys are going to run in a test, you should go to a training day and you should plan to volunteer at the test that you run. Yeah. That's just, that should that should just be common knowledge. Like if you're going to run a test, you need to plan to be there a day early or a day later so that you can be there. People like the, it takes so many people to run a training day and to run a test day. Like, let's just talk about like the field portion at our, her upland camp. Right. So we had an instructor in the field. We had two gunners. We had two bird planters, right? So now we've got five people. It takes a minimum of five people to run a single, like a single dog. So one 30 minute field session takes a minimum of five people. Mm -hmm. You need to be one of those five people for somebody else. Right. Right. And it's, and some of that is intimidating. And I think that that is something, um, you know, like at our training camp, how many of those women stepped up and they started planting birds? They've never done that before. And, and, and even with gunning, I mean, you and you and I gunned the majority of the time, which isn't necessarily anything that you and I have done before of gunning all day. Anxious about. Yeah. Yeah. You really, I'm like, but we're like, Oh, well, there's nobody else here to gun. And so we're going to do it. And then I mean, we ended up doing really well, to be fair. Really well. We did. But then look at the other women. We're They're like, team. we do. I love, I love shooting stuff with you. I can't, I, I, I would like to reword it, but I really like shooting things with you. Um, I know, I know. <laughs> I really like it when my dogs don't blow up your points so that you can shoot things, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> it's a story for another day. 
And I still, I still love your dogs and I still love you. Dear podcast listeners. um, uh, There was a four foot male bomber sage grouse this one time. There was the one time, a one time where um, Angus threw it on his largest point, most gorgeous point I've ever seen. (laughs) Um, We'll talk about it one day. We'll talk about it another time. That's I forgive I, dog. I forgive your dog. And now that big male can go back to the lab next year. And yeah. Yeah. Can do oh, great God. things and, and can breed 37 females in 37 minutes is what I learned Which, like, a couple weeks that ago. That is crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> I did not know that. That is, uh, that is, I, yeah, that is a great tidbit. I cannot wait for like that to come up somewhere in conversation just to drop that. Good box. one. Yeah, did a good you one. Know that the record for servicing females on a lek goes to a singular sage grouse <laughs> male who bred 37 females in 37 minutes. I um like yeah, that's like a, just a record for like, I mean, does he also hold the record for like the fastest nap? Like how is he <laughs> in between all of those ladies without a nap? But anyhow. Yeah. Anyhow. <laughs> I don't even remember where we were. Oh, gunning. gunning. Yeah, gunning. Well, yeah. I'm just like stepping into it because I feel like we started gunning together and we mm-hmm. felt good. And then once we sort of got our feet underneath us and I was like, you know what? I'm pretty confident I can hit some birds. Then we traded out. And as much as I hated it, because I was like having such a good time in the field with you, I was like, somebody else needs to gun with Courtney because part of gunning is feeling confident that if you miss your partner will like, if you don't have the shot or if you miss your shot, that your partner will make it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an important thing is to just like to pair people up. And then it was like, okay, cool. You want to learn to gun. You don't have a lot of confidence. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Courtney is currently on fire. Like get out there, walk that field with her, know that you know, cause there's so much pressure when you go out there as a gunner, right? Because like, you really want to drop that bird appropriately for that dog. Right. Yeah. And it makes you anxious. And yeah. so like pick a partner, man, pick a partner that. But like- it, it also helps when to see other people doing it. Right. Like mm-hmm. if I, if it hadn't been you and me and I was out there walking along or planting birds and I saw two women out there probably going out of, you know, their comfort zone, I'd be like, well, that really inspires me to want to give that a try. And even though I might be a little worried that I might not do great, I'm really inspired by them to give this a try. And I know, um, that it'd be worth it. So, so that's huge is to see other people doing it. And, and I came off, you know, I had had a bad kind of a interesting situation this summer where, um, I had been in a training day and I feel like I was shooting really well. And, um, I, you know, I was walking back to my truck and, and a gentleman came up to me and said, you shoot pretty well for a girl. And, you know, and I, I think it's comments like that where, um, I guess, and I could say, I didn't really take it personally because, but I did because the fact that I continue to kind of circle around to that. I think, I think I did take it like really dude. Um, 
Yeah. See, when you called him a gentleman, I would have been like, yeah, that's not the word I would have said. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, you know, and, yeah. And but I, it also, but that, that, that kind of stuff also drives me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if he hadn't said that, I wouldn't have been like, okay, now I want a gun for utility test one day. And you yeah. know what? I did that this year. I gunned for yeah. utility test that one day and it yeah. was really great. It was really great. And yeah. now I'm like, yeah, I want a gun for the invitational one day. And, yeah. and while I, I didn't gun I during the invitational, yeah. I, I went out there and I helped clear the fields at the invitational. <laughs> so I feel like yeah. I'm, gr- I'm inching my way to that yeah. position, but but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's all that stuff. And, um, I can't tell you how many things like that we've done with our dogs simply because somebody told us that we would never do it. Oh, so how did I get a German wire hair pointer? People told me that I wasn't up for it. <laughs> that you what? That I wasn't up for it. That I, that I was, that that was the dog for me that I'd be out, man, yeah. you yeah. know? So, Yeah. I mean, and I think that that's like, just to circle back a little bit, because one of the reasons that we wanted to do this podcast was to tell you where you've, to tell everybody where you've been, Yeah, which is you have been elbows deep in her upland, Yeah, um, which is amazing. And I am so uh, grateful, honored um, that you've asked me to be part of it with you because we want to create a space where women can be comfortable doing stuff and get comfortable training their dogs and hunting um, Mm -hmm. so that a, they can do it alone so that B that they can weather those unfortunate comments that people seem to feel necessary to make um, and to really get out there and the vision that you have for this project and how it has grown and flourished and what, and the amount of energy that you have put into it is really astounding. Um, and that is really in all honesty, amongst other things, puppies, raising children, going to grad school, working another job, um, maintaining a relationship with your wonderful husband, (laughs) It's really what has taken being a mom full time all summer. I, well, I put they that aren't in, in school. Being a, yeah, <laughs> a full time mom, all that sort of stuff. Like, you've really been working on this her yeah. upland project, and we have a lot of really exciting things. Like, we are what t minus nine days and counting to yeah. the second Western Montana women's grouse camp. Yeah, um, which is super excited. We should talk more about, but I want to make a little Dude. list here. You, we've got a website coming out. You've been yep. working on that. So we'll have yep. a website out soon. And then training camps for next summer. Like mm-hmm. we've talked, you know, like if if you are a lady and you're listening to this podcast and you are not excited or interested in a training, tra- putting dog training camp, um, I don't know what else to tell you other than it's like the best time that we ever had. Um, we pluck birds, we clean guns, we stayed up till three o'clock in the morning drinking whiskey and solving the world's problems. There were no bears. My mom there was zero there. bears. We had cake. Like, I don't know. Who there was to- cake. I don't Did remember cake. cake. I feel like there was no cake. Oh no, there were the cookies. 
Yeah, cookies. Those amazing cookies. Those, those amazing cookies. I was like, if there was cake, I would remember it. There was zero yeah, cake. I mean, However, there will be cake at Grouse Camp. Yeah, there will be. We Double do know secret. that. Double top yeah. on that. Yeah. yeah. But, no, the Her Upland, like I'm stoked about, right? Like yeah. I, I started that a couple years ago and it kind of, it went a direction I wasn't kind of envisioning, but I was like, oh, this works. Um, but it also had another ownership in it, which didn't end up being a great idea. Um, and now I have it hundred percent back and I can take it to the vision and to the realm that I had originally intended it to be. Um, but the best part about all this is that I have a team now and, and this team happened because there was a need for it. Like we have uh, some creatives, we have some it, we have strategic planners, we have website designers, we have graphic illustrators, um, and to name names, because this, like everybody here is currently in a volunteer position. Not a single one of us has taken a penny from all these efforts. Um, besides you, Katie Willis, who has stepped into a major role with this, Amanda Ponte, Brandy yeah. Garcia, Mm-hmm. Naomi Coates and Amy Ravinius. And, yeah. and these are women that have straightforward come to me and said, I love what you're doing here and I want to mm-hmm. be a part of it. And it's yeah. me going, Oh my God, I would love you to be a part of it, but I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to offer you. And it's all of you saying, I don't care because what is happening here fulfills me. Yeah. And I just want to be part of it. And and so none of this could be happening if it wasn't for all of you. And so for that, I am truly absolutely grateful um, because there, there is a lot of great stuff coming. There's a lot of great stuff that has happened, but like the plans that all of you have helped streamline um, and, and getting things in order, like I'm not the best person to notice some of the holes and it's great that I have people that can point them out in a really uh, professional manner in a creative manner and go, yeah, let's, how about we do this? And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's great. But what started it is, I mean, when I moved here from Wisconsin in September of 19, there was nothing more that I wanted was to meet like-minded women. And because I left a lot of really great people in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And then we all know what happened in February of 2020, where nobody was able to get out and meet anybody. So that put a kibosh to it. Also, the reason that I started the podcast was to try to meet my like-minded women. Um, But that, that January, I was invited to go to a women's hunting camp. And I was so stoked. It was like my first opportunity to finally go meet other women. And when the information was sent to me, like I literally started crying because it was $5,600 to be able to attend this weekend women's hunting event. And I couldn't afford it. Yeah. And it's, I wanted nothing more than to be hunting with women and bird dogs. And I couldn't afford it. And that was the only reason I couldn't go. And it was absolutely heartbreaking. And I don't want getting into hunting or being able to 
elevate your hunting skills and education where that would prohibit somebody from being able to go out and do this alone. I don't want cost to be that reason because it shouldn't be a reason. It shouldn't be a reason. And, and that's why the goal of this has to been able to provide something affordable Mm -hmm. to get into. And, but with that comes, you know, some setbacks of, yeah, we are going to be sleeping in tents that are surrounded by electric fencing. So the bears don't (laughs) eat us. (laughs) Um, We're going to be in rustic cabins where, you know what I learned last year, not everybody knows how to start a fire. So we're going to learn how to, we're going to teach people how to start fires so that they can stay warm at night in these cabins. Um, And we're going to provide at least four youth spots that are a hundred percent sponsored so that no young woman will have to pay to come to this because they are the future. And if they have any desire in their heart to learn how to do anything upland or train their bird dogs, we want them to be in this space without zero hesitation. Yeah. So, so that's the goal (laughs) where we don't have a lot of funds in the bank, but we're working really hard. really really hard to do that I think you know I think just that like um you have such amazing integrity which I love um and you're just a really honorable person and I love how inclusive that you're making this space like there's a lot of reasons that I'm attracted to this and this project and I want to work on this. Um, but the accessibility and the inclusivity, um, really strike a chord with me. Um, because, you know, I, it's the, there are spaces that exist in the United States that are beautiful and pristine in a way that shouldn't exist but exist because of hunting and fishing because of hunting and hunters and anglers hunters and anglers are the backbone of conservation and to for me personally and this is incredibly this is my selfish self um i don't know what would happen to me if i didn't have the ability to put my feet down and walk across an unencumbered landscape and soak in all that exists in that place. Um, it is the best way for me to refuel myself. It is how I find my centering. It is where I'm. It is where I'm at my happiness, happy, happiest. And it is the place, the only place I've found to deal with my sadness and to deal with my heartache is to have unencumbered wild spaces, and. There are vast tracts of the United States that are full of all manner of resources that could be extracted for some other purpose that are not because of what hunters and anglers have done over the course of the last hundred years. Mm -hmm. And selfishly, I want that to continue. And for that to continue, I need more people to care about these spaces the way that I care about these spaces. And it can't just be people who have 
the money, the access that were born into it that have anything like that. It needs to be available for every single American, for every single person, regardless of economic status, age, gender, ethnicity, whatever, to be able to have access to these spaces so that they can care about them and that we can continue to preserve those spaces. And so in that sense, I am incredibly selfish in this mission. And I love it that yeah. this is so important to you too, because, because of that, because it's not this, you know, ec economically outrageous thing that I, like, if I were back to my 28 year old self that had just gotten her first baby bird dog and really wanted to get out and get after it, I couldn't have afforded that camp that you were talking about, but I could have, I could have probably scratched together that her upland training camp, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that is, that just speaks to a caliber of human being that I just have so much respect for Courtney. And that is you. Mm. Well, same Z's. <laughs> <laughs> same. It's there. There's so much to it though. Right. Like it's a lot of the things of bringing together. Like when I, when I did the survey, um, when people signed up for registration for the dog training camp, mm -hmm. I asked, what are you most looking forward to? Yeah. 90, 90% 90 of those people said being around like-minded women. Mm -hmm. That's, that says something. And, yeah. um, you know, we hear the struggles and we hear, some of the things and yeah, maybe we just aren't there yet. Maybe society yeah. just isn't there yet, but um, you know, the numbers continue to increase and yeah. we can, we can rattle off the stats all day long. I, I have them sitting right here, you know, <laughs> of course yeah. I do. Of course you do. Of course you do. And course that is do. why we're a great partnership <laughs> because uh, you have a stack of research and data and notes for what our talk would be about. And I am on my second course light. <laughs> But for the listeners of prior Courtney and Kate podcasts, if you can't see it, what you have will notice is that I have not dropped an F-bomb this entire talk. And yeah. it is entirely because I put my stethoscope around my neck and I have been trained not to swear when um, I have a stethoscope on. And so um, that is the cause of my good thing. Yeah. So for the sake of the stats, now that we brought it up, because yeah, now, up, now people up. might, now people might want to know, but yeah. okay. In 2016, 11.7% of hunters were women and that mm -hmm. continued to 17, 18, 19, went up to 11.8, 2020 was 12.6, 2021 went to 12.3. So you know, what they're saying is like, yeah, women are the largest growing demographic, but they aren't coming back the next year and renewing the license. So, so what is it? What experiences are they having or not it having them. that what's that? That doesn't retain. Yeah. Right? That doesn't retain. Yeah. That, that's, that's the whole thing of like, I feel like, um, you know, that's, that's that's the um the, that's the hidden piece and 
that to me speaks of a really important part of all these conversations about, um, you know, the the introducing new people to hunting, introducing new people to the outdoors in any way, shape, or form, but doing so in a way that causes them to share some of that love and that passion. And mm-hmm. I'm going to tell an anecdote and I'm going to say, I'm going to cop to this. This is probably, a, this could be a hundred percent urban legend. Um, but this is a, this is a thing that I knew, that I knew and a story that I'd been told several times, um, back when I was a river guide and, uh, I used to run the rogue river, which is a beautiful watershed in Southwestern Oregon. It's, it's gorgeous. It's a, it's a beautiful river and it happens to be included in the 1964 wild, 1964, 1963 wild and scenic rivers act. And the legend goes um, that, and and this part is true. This part is true. When the Wild and Scenic Rivers Act was initially drafted, the Rogue River was not on it. It wasn't on it. It wasn't included in it. And somehow when LBJ signed it, the Rogue River was on it. And this is the part of legend that I cannot prove one way or the other. And that is that somebody had fished the Rogue River and knew it to be a beautiful place full of wild steelhead and bears and blackberries and just a, just an amazing spot. And they were a friend of LBJ's and they said, called LBJ and said, Hey man, you shouldn't agree to sign the wild and scenic rivers act unless they put the Rogue River on it. And that's the legend, right? Like that's the legend that that's how the Rogue River went from not being on the wild and scenic rivers act to being on the wild and scenic rivers act. And I can attest that that river is worth saving, right? And so I think about this with hunting and fishing and outdoors and general pursuits is that you have no idea who you are impacting. And if you have the ability to help someone love these spaces, you don't know the downstream benefit of that in that you get people out there, you get people loving wild places, you don't know who they're going to call. You don't know how that might change the way that they purchase products or um, donate their money or talk to their politicians about these spaces. And so, you know, I think that that's, you know, this just goes back to this thing about like her upland and what I love about it is that it's inclusive and it brings people in and it's really there not just to be a flash in the pan and be like, oh, here's this crazy thing you did for the summer. It's to really teach women to be in these spaces and retain them in a way that they can, that that number can grow so that, yeah, Mm -hmm. X number of women started hunting this year and then they stayed, right? Yeah. And they stayed and And they taught somebody else or they they brought somebody else out with them because they felt like they had enough knowledge that they had gained mm -hmm. put to the test. It's that right, Katie, it's, it's that mission of learn, learn, do teach. Right. Yeah. yeah, The, in medicine, they say, uh, see one, do one, teach one. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the rule. See one, do one, teach one Yeah. Um, to really retain that. And I mean, and I think we can, you know, we can keep ticking down your statistics. What is the, I can't remember what the stat is on um, children that have a father that hunt, have a certain amount of likelihood of becoming adult hunters 
and children who have a mother that hunts are more likely to yeah. have to, to to stay in hunting and so like you know it's it's the whole thing it's getting the family out it's um it's getting away from the tv you know the whole like no child left inside right i mean i had i got to take my niece on her first pheasant hunt last saturday <laughs> and it was so special mm-hmm. um, to get that little kiddo out there and it wasn't just her there was a whole there were five or six other kids out there on their first pheasant hunts and the smiles right like the smiles and the enjoyment and the engagement of that where it's like yeah just, yeah and we yeah. shouldn't con- we shouldn't condone it regardless of of how that looks you know and it it, it, it just still makes me mad that I still had to hear that comment about oh, yeah how people how women or dads are taking the kids in the backpacks and how yeah how they're just doing it for the gram because you know what like I just saw another photo today of a father that took his kid hunting and they got a rough grouse and that experience and you can see that story yeah. and people that are condoning that and making fun of it um and or calling it unsafe is really really disturbing to me and it really shows true character of someone um because the more you can get those kids out there and and experiencing it whether it's hunting or whether it's just the outdoors it doesn't matter there should be no difference in what like what we're doing with the kids all summer long and hiking and looking for wildlife than it is in the in those fall winter months having a gun along with same thing I can tell you this right now um me and my two sisters were in backpacks and we were hiked and hunted with my parents growing up and there are three outdoors hunting wilderness women in my family. And exactly. so you can't tell me that that wasn't formative. And I think it's like, I mean, I go out there and I go hunting and I go hiking and all I have to worry about is myself and like my dog. And I swear to God, I have so much respect for parents I have so much respect for parents. Like you guys that are out there raising, raising your kids and, and doing everything that you can as expensive as they are, as time consuming as they are. Um, it is amazing. And I, I want to support you and I want to love you. And again, back to Katie's selfish, um, I am wholly dependent on your children to grow up and be upstanding human beings because I don't have (laughs) children of my own (laughs) and I need your kids to be good. And part of like, that is like, I, I have never, my earliest formed memories of anything that I can remember is being in the woods with my parents. And if anything that we're doing with her upland gives a parent male or female mom or dad um, a little more comfort, a little more confidence. Yeah. So a community that supports them mm-hmm. so that they are like, heck yeah, you know what? I am going to have final rise, make me these special <laughs> pouches to put on my Osprey backpack so that I can <laughs> take my kiddo out. Yeah. Because that's like, it's so funny to me that people will talk like, people who talk out of both sides of their mouths, right? Right. Where they're like, oh, these, this younger generation and all of their like 
computers and phones and da, 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 da. And then at the same time, we're like, who are these parents who are like packing their kids in backpacks? And I'm like, <laughs> those are the parents that don't want their kids on the damn phone. Right. Right. Well, because that's just the thing, you know, with us, one of us has to stay home. Mm -hmm. Okay. If it comes down to the kids aren't going to go with, then one of us has to stay home. And so we really enjoy hunting together. So we figured out a way that we bring the kids with and, and we don't force them it's, it's an enjoyable experience. We've, we pack snacks, we put hearing protection on them. We do the things that, that my daughter wakes me up at five 30 in the morning, waking me up, we go hunting today. And oh, yeah. that's what it's about. Don't tell oh, me yeah. that putting her in a backpack is some kind of child abuse that I'm forcing her to do. But that's the thing though, Courtney is like, I've gotten, I have the privilege of getting to be around you and your family. And um, as anybody who kind of knows anything about me, I've had some heartbreak this year and um, it's been challenging for me to get through. It's every day and it's been challenging for me to wanna train a dog or for me to even wanna go hunting because I'm, I'm just, I'm missing my, my best pal. I'm missing my, my partner in this. And, uh, your children are a joy and delight and your family is amazing. And that is a testament to you. It's a testament to William. It's a testament to the, the, the goals that you've set for yourself as a family and the things that you've done. And part of that is that you take them. It's that you take them mm-hmm. and it's that they're comfortable out there. Um, I would hunt with you and William and your kids any day because they are a joy to be around. Yeah. Do they have problems? Do they have meltdowns? Hell yeah. Yeah. Do I have problems? Do I have meltdowns? Oh <laughs> yeah. Right. But just, you know, I think that this another just back to the reasons that like being in the wilderness is so grounding and it's not just grounding for me it's grounding for everybody um and that you are creating compassionate aware um responsible knowledgeable confident children a huge part of that is that you take them hunting And if you are in the hunting sphere and you can't see that that's a connection, then you're blind. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely blind to, to the, your kids know where their food comes from, right? The impact of their lives on the environment. Um, They know the difference between right and wrong. Um, They know so many things that they have learned from the experience of being taken out into the woods. And I know that to be true because that's how I know those things. And it's because my parents took me with them. It's because they took me hunting. It's because they took me in the wilderness. It's because they taught me 
action consequence in this most beautiful place. And they taught me responsibility for myself and others with hunter safety, um, with game management, with butchering all of our own food, with all of those sorts of things. And if you're in the hunting community and you look at parents taking their kids hunting and you look down on them, you miss the point. Yeah, absolutely. You need to to go back to the woods and clear your head because you're, you're missing it. Like you're missing it. You're missing this whole process. If you don't, if you don't see those connections between uh, missing out. Yeah. You're just missing out. And yeah. 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 So a couple more of my stats that I'm going to get out here because I did a lot of work on these. You did. You did. You did. You did. <laughs> did a lot of work. So you do a it, lot of work. I do a lot of work. I, I, I do a lot of work. So interesting. And I had help with this. So I, I called on help for these, but in the JGHV 17.2% are women in the American field. 15% are women. And in NAVDA, 21% are women. Gotcha. So AKC, we don't have any stats because they um, they don't really have that. They don't keep those, they say. But yeah, so I thought that was really interesting yeah. that, you know, we're, it's, it's still considered a, a minority. Um, and, and thinking of ways that we can, maybe build that community more and the importance of that retention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, and that's, that's part of it. So it's not just, I mean, in in the dog training camps, yeah, we're teaching them um, important things to be able to help, help learn do. Um, But in the hunting camps, it gets a little bit more intense. It's intense. It's it's pretty fire at the circus. (laughs) It is. It is. We have bio, like a biologist come in and, and teach them about habitat, um, the bird characteristics. We have professional shooting instruction. Mm-hmm. We have um, this year, Rough Grouse Society, Ashley Peters is coming in and talking about the ethics and hunting concepts of conservation. We have Montana FWP coming in to talk about mm-hmm. upland hunting rules and regulations gun cleaning. We're going to have a feathers and leathers, um, crafting area because these birds are beautiful. Their feathers, um, are best displayed somewhere rather than thrown into the garbage can, Mm -hmm. uh, I think. Um, and what's really cool is we're having a shotgun patterning course. I mean, there's a lot of cool things, but I feel like uh, every time that you start, (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, man, I hope that I get to go to all of the sessions. Like I am, you haven't even mentioned the bird, the give a pluck bird pluck plucking seminar. You're, you're putting, you're putting on the plucking seminar, of course. And you're I'm doing the mother plucker, me and my mother plucking. Um, yes. But, uh, but I'm like, man, I want to make sure I make it to all the other sessions. Like, yes, uh, it really it's, is. Uh, it's going to, it's good. It's gonna, um, I mean, the thing of it and, is, it's going to be intense. Like people, um, the the ladies that are signed up are they're they better come fully hydrated and ready. They're ready. 
Yeah. They're ready. It's going to be big. And then not to mention the fact that we do that. So we do that for two days and then we have two days of hunting. Yeah. Yep. So we extended it a day this year because we pushed it all into, um, what was it? It was arriving on a Thursday. And then, so we had Thursday or Sunday. So this year they're all arriving Wednesday so that we have three full days then. Um, so we'll have two days, two days of kind of seminars and the learning aspect, and then two days of hunting and, um, Tracy Wright of dark horse shooting is going to be doing the shooting instruction. Um, Lee Chose of boss shot shells is coming and not just Lee. And he's going to be doing the shotgun patterning and talking about chokes and, and Hannah Leonard. Bosco. What? Don't forget Bosco. Bosco the Cocker's coming. Bosco the Cocker's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hannah Leonard is going to be talking on sporting lead free. Um, Andrew Willard with Onyx. And what's yeah. cool is like, you know, we've, we've had a couple pre-sessions, Zoom sessions yeah. of getting people prepared and kind of going through the, Um, stuff so we don't have to take up time doing it during camp but like I love what Onyx is doing and they're a huge supporter of her Upland um but they've been on board from the very get-go which is amazing absolutely absolutely they have but but it's such an important tool and it's something that we use every time we go hunting and heck even on my way home from the invitational when I was looking for places to camp yeah, you know, throw up my tent somewhere on some BLM land. BLM land. I was I was using Onyx to find that. So, well, and it's made me a, it's made me a better friend to you because what it like now now instead of just like going <laughs> off into the woods and I send you a pin and I'm like, hey, <laughs> you let me know where you are so I don't have to worry. This is where I'm going to park the truck. And if you don't hear, I should be back by six. If you don't hear from me by nine, thank God. My goodness. It's like, I don't know. I, I don't ever since I've had kids, like I like have grown this worry gene. It's really awkward, but thank you for no, respecting that. Why, it's why I didn't have children. I was, <laughs> I was going to, and then I was like, Oh God, I hate worrying. <laughs> it's that's legit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, on next, I mean, but yeah, it's going to be good, but yeah. well, you know, there's a lot to learn, but at the same time, you like kind of like we discussed the camps aren't for everybody it's it's different there's there's a lot of you know there's a lot of women's kind of learn to hunt programs and and they're all great mm-hmm. they're all great because at every opportunity any opportunity to get out in the field and yeah. learn how to do it and get involved is a really great thing yeah um but uh, but you, we're gonna make people uncomfortable yeah we're gonna make them uncomfortable yeah, yeah. absolutely like it's, this is the, this is the whole, um, it's time to crack the shell. Like, I think that that's part of, you know, like her, her upland is a place that you come if you're ready to crack your shell. Yeah. Right? If you're ready to really push the bounds of your comfort. Cause you know, it's, it's, it's rugged. Um, it's not, there's no manicured lawns. There's no planted birds. There's zero five stars. There's, there's it's not a five-star resort. You're not getting a chef. They're not plucking your birds for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, define five stars, right? Cause I feel like I have a five-star experience, but, um, <laughs> but, but like in the sense of like that, like this is, you know, it's, 
I, I think that this is that like, um, if you paid $5,600 to go to a hunting camp, um, there might be a certain set of expectations. Um, our hunting camps, what we're trying to keep everything like what less than a grand is that kind of our goal right now. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you kind of need to know that, that, you know, that that means that you're going to be expected to pitch in, right? Yeah. Like, you know, if we, if we want, if we charge people $5,600, uh, we can hire bird planters. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we're, we're not doing that. Like, we're not doing that because that's not empowering. Right. Right. Um, there's a time and a space for everything. And, um, I love a trip to the spa as much as anybody. Um, but then there's a difference when you go like the kind of hunting that I like to do is sun up to sundown boots on the ground. You're probably going to get a blister and you're not going to say boo about it. Mm -hmm. Um, because we're here to, to really push, um, to really push the level of comfort. And, right. um, and that is kind of what this is. Like, you know, if we did that one dusky grouse hunt together last year, when we were first brand new friends, like the day after you almost wanted to murder me for being, um, misplaced in the woods. And, um, and, uh, that was a burly ass hunt. It is. Like, we yeah. were scrambling like the down the deadfall and it had mm -hmm. it was wet and like I think every fourth step I I put my foot down and it turns out I was on a rotted log at a 45 degree angle and my whole foot went out from underneath me I mean and we were climbing like you know to get to, to work across that ridge, you know, and we did, we found, we found a couple, we, we got it. We flushed a couple of grouse. We didn't have a shot. Like we, th there wasn't a shot in those trees, right. But it was a beautiful and amazing hunt. I had a great time. I was super, super sweaty. I needed like three Milky ways, um, you know, and, and, but that's the thing is like, that's, that's the aesthetic. And if that's not your aesthetic, that's cool, man. Like you do your thing, but like when yeah. you come, when you come to her upland stuff, you, you better be ready to crack that shell. Yeah. You know? And it's not, there, there's no time for afternoon naps. We have full days. We have, <laughs> we have full days. There will be no siestas. There yeah. may be margaritas at the end of the day up to you. But yeah. there's, um, there's also going to be disappointment and unfortunate loss of expectations because yeah, it's in a lot of, in a lot of these events, you can go to a preserve and shoot some pheasants that are put out for you. Yeah. Um, but here we're learning about what habitat ideal habitat looks like. You yeah. are doing the work to use what you just learned with Onyx with Andrew to be able to scout some ideal areas, you're going to go to them and go, Oh yeah, we just spent a couple hours here and there was no birds. Yeah. Um, you might not see a bird all weekend. It's, it is not, it that's, that's real life hunting folks. You are not yeah. going to go to a game preserve and shoot planted pheasants that have been raised in a pen. These are yeah. wild birds. Uh, these are, this well, is real and they, stuff. And they, and they move around and like, yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've gone on a couple of grouse hunts where I've shot grouse 
damn near back at my truck where I'm like, I walked here already. Like I already walked here. I walked here. There were no birds. And then they moved in. And I think that that's like, you know, um, we'll have another conversation and other conversations about Onyx and getting pins, but like all of the e-scouting in the world, I mean, it's good. You should know how to do it. You should know how to use Onyx. You should be able to sit on an evening in the comfort of your home and scroll maps. But every pin that I have ever gotten that was worth a shit is because of boot leather. Yeah. It's because absolutely. of boot leather. And, and that's, and that's what it is. And like, I have now been out just because of current life circumstances. I've only gone out for forest grouse here in Oregon twice this year. And I haven't seen so much as a feather. And I was hunting some of the same spots that I hunted last year. Um, I have done, I switched it up. I did a bunch of e-scouting. I talked to other people and the birds are not in the same places that they were before. Um, I don't think that the berries are as good, right? Like, so you start noticing all these things where it's like, oh man, the habitat isn't what it was last year. Like you're not seeing not seeing the berries that I wore last year. I'm not seeing these different things that I saw last year. And that's the whole thing is like, you want to go hunting. You better have, be ready for days where you get nothing in your bag, where you don't get a shot, where your puppies blow up your birds, where you hike all day, but like it's boots on the ground, right? Like they talk about like fishing that like steelhead are the fish of a thousand casts. Like to, to catch a steelhead on a fly, you should expect to cast a thousand times. And that's the kind of fish that they are. And I would say the same thing with bird hunting where like really good bird hunting, like is a, is a bird of a thousand steps. Like you're going to walk, you're going to walk and you're going to have to walk through, you know, it's funny. Cause like we did that sharp tail and sage grouse hunting. And I was like, oh man, this is going to be great. Like, let right. Like it's flat. It's not the trucker hunting I'm used to shit. The snakes, the cactus, the coolies, the heat, the, 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 the lack of water. Um, like I worked, we worked hard. Yeah. Like we worked hard for those birds. Um, and it wasn't just all of a sudden that just, cause there was like the elevation was different, you know, like there wasn't the topographical relief that it wasn't like we didn't work hard for those birds. And, uh, we had some great hunts and, but it's boot leather, man. It's boot it leather. Is. And yet how many times, you know, you get to an area and you're like, oh, this has all the right things. We have the all rose, we have the rose hips here where it's some great oh, yeah. riparian, great cover. It's nice and thick. Like we are going to get into some grouse and, <laughs> and you're like, why aren't you here? You should live here. Don't you know, this is your oasis. You, you would thrive in this location. Why are you here? Oh God. One of my favorite pictures from our weekend, uh, in Montana is me sitting on a water tank halfway through a hunt. And, um, Chloe took it, our friend, Chloe took it sky is sitting below me and I'm like pointing, right? Like I'm pointing and it looks like I know what I'm talking about. And basically what I'm doing is like, Oh God, there's gotta be birds over there. There's gotta be birds over there. Like this looks like amazing habitat. Everything I've read, we should find huns up there. We should find Sharpies down here, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And all we found was a damn quill pig that sky chomped. And then we had to pull pig, you know, but it's like, 
picture of like this moment where like there I am just like oh yeah like I've got my arm out in front of me and I'm like pointing out like where we should walk <laughs> and we walk just keep walking we just, just keep kept walking. walking. You just yep. kept walking. I know. You know. I looked at my miles from that week. I was like, wow, that was a lot of miles without very many birds on the bay. Yeah. Yeah. But, but oh, that's another podcast too, because I'm really curious about um, kind of the differences this year that I've seen in other years and where the birds are located. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, the Her Upland thing, I'm excited about. I'm stoked. Because Happy it. to like super excited to have you guys. Um, but yeah, we're, we're continue to raise funds to make sure the kids and their chaperones, yep, yep, um, yep. are taken care of. And if we do have proceeds, we, <laughs> um, we are, we donate 2% of the proceeds to our conservation partner of choice for, for whatever that is. So, um, like for grouse camp, we are doing 2% with, with Rough Grouse Society, American Woodcock Society. Um, so yeah, and we're grateful to them. If it wasn't for the NAVDA International, uh, Big Sky Chapter, Rough Grouse Society, those are the folks that are helping. They've helped this year with all the youth spots. Youth spots. So, so we're grateful yeah. to them and, yeah. and yeah, now, now we have a website. Amy Ravinius has done an amazing job building this website for us. We continue yeah. to work on it every day. I was out of um, contact pretty much for the last two weeks. And so I'm happy she's bared with me with some patience and, and helping her with the website, but yeah, it's going and we have a don donations page up. So if anybody is inclined to help with those spots for next year, because in 2023, we are doing, we are increasing to four hunting pointing dog camps and two hunting camps. So, um, and those locations are going to be so dispersed. Have, eight. Uh, what is that? There's uh, four hunting camps is 16 youth participants. So we yep. have 20 youth participant spots to sponsor next year. Yep. yep. Feel, free to, feel free to throw your name on one of those. Um, FYI, big news from Siren, right? Like, yes, be a raffle. We are. Yeah. So I think we're gonna, we're gonna put that down for the first time at Pheasant Fest, right? Yeah. We need, to, we need to, we need to contact Pheasant Bob and figure out how to get a spot, a booth spot for Pheasant Fest this year. Um, but yeah, so we're going to, we're going to raffle off a siren Elos D2 for the year. And that is going to be one of our biggest fundraisers for the youth spots. Mm -hmm. Super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're also going to be working on some of the, some of the projects we're going to be doing the feathers and leathers. Um, we're going to be putting together some stuff to sell at Pheasant Fest as well. Yeah. So all the, well, all the little things will help. All the little things will help. And, you know, and I just can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be I so great. I just can't wait. It's just, I mean, I think of just um, the women just from the first training dog camp that I'm now some of them on a weekly basis touching base with 
um, and supporting triumphs and challenges and all the rest of it is really beautiful. And, you know, it's really community, 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 community. And um, yes, it is primarily for women, but uh, we, we uh, wholeheartedly accept gentlemen uh, who don't make unkind comments. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's true. And, and some of our instructors are men. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that's important for us to embrace too of, yeah, like it's, you know, it's a women's event, but um, I think it's just as important for women to learn from men that are willing to give solid advice yeah. and, and deliver it in a really respectable manner as yeah. it is for, you know, like there's, there's men camps out there, dog training camps, yeah. seen them happening. Um, I would love to see some women instructors at those camps. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great? Mm-hmm. Um, it would. And Hey, maybe, maybe we're going to make that happen because I have had men say, oh, boy, I would really love to attend your grouse camp. So, you maybe? know, yeah, you never know what's going to happen little, in the future. Co- co-ed camps in the future. Absolutely. You know, sky's, sky's the limit. And, uh, I just, I'm so happy to be part of this and I'm so happy to, 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 to have this relationship with you and all of the other women and all of the other fellas. And yeah, gosh, I just hope everybody has a great season. It's <laughs> a really great season. It's just going to be a great season. It's going to be a great season. It is. And, oh, I do want to address one of the, um, things that I've, I've heard some feedback from because right now they're pointy dog camps and obviously upland gun dog, upland bird dog oh, breeds. Flushers. What about the flushers? Yeah, what? we are. Yeah, We're going to have flusher retriever. Sorry. Yeah. You better get that stethoscope back on before something happens. And you cause me editing. Cause right now I'm just rolling this out a hundred percent in zero editing time. Um, but yeah, so we are, as we grow, so bear with us, everybody, as we grow, we are going to have the flushing retrievers, Mm -hmm. um, those as well. They're very much there. Um, next year we're going to have a horseback camp, which is going to be amazing. Um, so yeah, cause, cause all those, all those venues are important, um, to our dog sports. So, well, and I think, you know, along those same lines, like we got a lot of requests after the first, um, training camp all across the United States. And I think this is an important thing for those that are listening with bated breath for what we're planning. Um, we had a lot of asks and we spent a lot of time talking and chewing on what this would look like. And one of the very important goals of this is that it exists 10 years from now, that it exists 15 years from now, that it exists 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, that it's a sustainable enterprise. And so bear with us as we build it because we're we're limiting ourselves to four training dog camps this summer, all sort of in the Northwest um, because we want to be able to Put, some, put this together, build it, get feedback, rebuild it until we have a really, we want to build an incredibly solid footing on which to make a platform to move forward. And so, yes, 
we totally want a camp in the Southeast and we are definitely doing something in the Southwest and we will be up in the Northeast and we will be in Central and South Central and in California and up in Alaska and we're going to go everywhere. Um, just bear with us as we work through this to really yeah. build something that not only you come to, but your kids come to and your grandkids come to and that this really, this community really, is built in a in an incredibly like mindful um determined way that it gets to exist forever and it's not just a flash in the pan in the flash in the pan so that that means that we can't overextend ourselves and so yeah just we've gotten a lot of comments we've gotten a lot of a lot of yeah. requests from all over the United States. And it's not that we don't want to be there. We want to be everywhere all the time for everybody. And we just have to, you know. Yeah. Where these events, these events have sold out in less than two hours of posting them on social media, which is amazing. It also shows how much interest there is in them. Mm -hmm. um, but it also, we can't, we can't, produce something because there's such a need for it or a want for it we have to keep it at a level where it remains organized professional and that yeah. people are getting something out of it because that's what it's for it's for the educational and learning aspects yeah um and to, and to just throw a bunch of them together and go around sloppy isn't how we want it to work so it needs to be hundred percent intentional. And so that's why we're just limiting it to, to the few people we have right now. I named the names. There's six of us. There's six of us making, yeah. making it, making it go. And I hope that that continues to, to build one day. And if people are interested, please reach out, um, you know, cause we hope to make, make it areas that are prominent all over the U S but you said all Northwest and there is, it's going to be Wisconsin. So that is considered well, yeah, Midwest. Wisconsin, Midwest. Yeah. We are doing yeah. Wisconsin. I'm yeah. super excited. Go pack. Be tonight. <laughs> so good. So I good. love it. I love that you're a Packers fan. Cause that's, that's super cool for me. Yeah. as a Wisconsin girl. I love it. Well, you know what? I might not be from Wisconsin, but I know a good thing when I see one. It, exactly. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with cheese heads that love beer and brats. Bird dogs and bird dogs. <laughs> but it's the, see, we we're talking about all the need for like more women in the podcast space. And I feel like that could be a great podcast. Beer brats and bird dogs. Beer brats and bird dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Where's where all my Wisconsin girls at that want to start that podcast with her up Lynn. That would yeah, be great. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, we are, we, if you're going to roll, if you're going to roll this straight out, we are what, like two hours into a podcast, Courtney. Are we really? See, I don't even have my timer on. I have no idea. Timer. It's a long time. It's a long yeah. time, but, and I got to get back to working on the website for Amy, which speaking of, we just got, um, like our new camo patterns that came in that yeah, 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 we yeah, advertised. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have buffs. You're going to have to, admit, you're gonna have to turn this into a two-part podcast, Courtney. <laughs> podcast has gone too long. <laughs> we'll just, we'll cut it off after this. I promise. We have buffs. We have wild rags. I just got noticed that koozies are being shipped out today. Woo, koozies! Guess, what's, guess what's on the koozies? A cheat sheet. It's my favorite. Yeah. 
I it's my so favorite. Excited about that. I'm so excited about that. Yeah, it's a cheat sheet. Um, you guys just have to stay tuned. I'm not even going to tell you what it's a cheat sheet for, but it's going to be really appreciated for those of us yeah. that need things like that. So, yeah, um, yeah. hats, uh, all of Naomi's illustrations, like the grouse camp, oh my gosh, the mother, the so mother talented. chucker, she's so talented. My the Navda scene. Yeah, yeah. Like they're, they're all on there, the horseback. Um, so they're all decals. They're all available on the website. Um, yeah, it's, it's gonna make all that stuff helps. All that stuff helps us yeah. um, put on these great events. So yeah. any, any closing remarks now that you made me realize that we're at two hours? Um, well, I just am always super grateful to be um, invited into this space and um, to everybody out there. I wish you happy hunting. Um, I encourage you to put your money where your feet land and, um, support conservation organizations. And then no matter what, like never turn your back on an old wild hair. <laughs> I love it. Don't do it. I love it. Thanks for joining me, Katie. It's, it's been swell. We'll be having more in the future and there are more podcasts coming out. I will yeah. start doing my editing on these recorded episodes and get them out to you. Thank you for everybody for bearing with me through the summer months and doing all the things, but, um, I hope, I hope that what we are coming out with here, um, you're going to really enjoy and appreciate and Patreon patrons. Thank you. I've continued to produce stuff for you every month to bring oh. you some value. So what, I was going to say, oh, you're going to put a little bio in the front about the big Patreon patron um, to do this week, right? I will. I'll put it. Yep. I'll put it in the front of the episode because it's going to be good. And so husband just added, he's going to teach people how to cape out birds. Oh, so that's that going to be fun. Crazy. Yeah. He's like, when do you, when are we doing that? I said Wednesday. So he, now he's, he's like, okay, I better, I better go shoot a, a rougher dusky grouse before Wednesday. I love that idea. It's going to be good because they, um, for those that may not know the story, I shot my first spruce grouse uh, on opening week and the very special dog that pointed it for me and I shot it over. I was very excited about that afternoon. I went to make a FaceTime phone call to Katie for this amazing beautiful painting that she got of our late dog Bisto. And while I was outside on that FaceTime call, thanking her um, with so much gratitude, Nara was inside eating my spruce grouse. <laughs> and then the next day she ate uh, half of the pelts off of my 10 year anniversary hunt wreath. So, but. Utility you know, prize one. Utility prize utility one. Prize one. <laughs> Oh, and, and then there's a, also another podcast. She better put a, a VC in front of her name. She better. And, and so a little bit more to that story, because now that we are continuing on with this long, very long podcast is this spring, Nara ate some of my children's baby chickens. And so she, I told her she no longer was able to be a house dog. Um the the morning of her utility test, I said, Nara, if you get a prize one today, you can be a house dog again. So she did spend July, August, and some of September as a very great house dog until she ate the birds and ate my wreath 
And so maybe now next September before um, the invitational, I will ask her again if she, if she becomes, be if she would like to be, how badly she would like to be a house dog. <laughs> oh man. Oh, man. She's, she's just, she's just not cutting it. You know, I'm trying so hard because everybody loves Nara. Everybody loves she Nara. Is a really, really wonderful girl. She, she is. is but, she really likes to eat feathers. She's also <laughs> oh, to all of the great dogs that we spend so much training and then they go and do bad dog things. They're cheers. Just They're just naughty. Cheers. Thanks for listening to another episode of the bird dog babe podcast. I hope you can join us tomorrow for the Zoom call on my tailgate for Patreon patrons. Go to patreon.com forward slash the bird dog babe. And check out our new Her Upland website at herupland.com. We have new apparel that just launched. We have several decals from the very talented Naomi Coates. And sign up for our newsletter and see what we're all about. Also be sure to check out the sponsors of this podcast, Purina Pro Plan, Boss Shot Shells, Onyx Hunt and Partners, Siren Shotguns, and Dakota 283. And don't forget to support the conservation organizations of the birds you chase after and the public lands in which you hunt.